0: Welcome to Keep Calm. We would love for you to join us on Fridays from 1030 to 1130 a.m. Central Time. For more information, check out our website at www.faithwalking.com where you can scroll down to the Spaces for Wholeness Groups section and click on Keep Calm. You can also email us at info at faithwalking.us.
1: If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, on January 6th, we se- celebrated Epiphany together, and uh, I shared with you in my first formation, my, my formation was more evangelical, uh, less liturgical, and, uh, and we didn't follow the church calendar, and I had no clue what Epiphany was. Uh, epiphany is the celebration of the wise men well it's it's celebrated in different ways in different parts of the world Uh, but the one that caught my attention was it's the celebration of the wise men coming to celebrate the birth of jesus and these three uh middle easterners not of jewish descent these three foreigners come to celebrate the birth of christ and we're going to get into that part of it next time. The, the part about them being foreigners and all that that means. Uh, and just, uh, by the way, the story is recorded for us in Matthew chapter two verses one through 23. It's the entire chapter. Uh, and, um, and I will, uh, we're, we're going to go into detail of who those guys were and, and what it, what it meant to be a Magi or a, um, um, a wise man, or a teacher, or prophet for, of a, of a different religion, but but today, uh, here's where I want to take our focus, if you would. Uh, I, I want to focus on on two other players in the story. I want to focus on Joseph, and I want to focus on Herod. We we talked about Herod on the sixth just a little bit, and I want to come back and readdress that. And my thinking has taken me into some uh, just several different places. But I but I want to talk about Joseph because Joseph the uh, the earthly father of Jesus heard from God on three different occasions in a dream, and. The way I read scripture, folks, I always read it through the lens of how, how in the world does this apply to us? Is this a universal principle, or was it unique to, to that particular day and time? Was it unique to that particular situation? So I'm asking questions. Here's the biggest question I want to ask and, and have us think about is, and how does God speak to us today? In my first formation, I was taught that God primarily speaks to us today through Scripture, that it's in Scripture that God speaks to us, and and I have no doubt that God speaks through Scripture, but I also believe God speaks to us. I believe God wants to guide us. One One of the foundational values of faith walking is living a reflective life, so if you'll remember uh, the, the we follow w- w- a mental model basically of of how we believe transformation is done and and happens and transformation happens not by information alone that information doesn't bring transformation and so in faith walking we follow a practice of information practice of that information and reflection on our practice of that information. So information, practice, reflection leads to more information, practice, reflection. And in our reflection, uh, within our faith walking structure, we have coaches that help us reflect, but but our reflection, and I, I tell every group that I convene of faith walking foundations, is that we can't really do the work that we do without spending time in quiet, alone with God, in reflection and contemplation, so that God, God God's voice joins our voice in guiding us into, into truth. And so that's just some of what I believe about, uh, about how God speaks to us today. I, I really believe uh, that God guides me through Scripture, and through, through me listening as God speaks deep within me in those moments when I, when I get still enough to hear that still, small voice of God. In the story today, though, God spoke fairly dramatically, really specifically, and every time, God spoke through an angel in a dream. My dreams are mostly weird, and you know, and I, I don't really hear much from God, and 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 I don't want to make too much out of them. I, I know we have some faith walking folks. Uh, Jeff McGee, one of our board members, uh, would talk about interpreting dreams, and I I don't know, I don't have any experience in any any of all that, uh, but but I I, I, just, I simply want to think about okay in modern in the modern world today, who does God speak to, when does God speak, and how does God speak to us? I just think that's an important thing to talk about, uh, because I think everybody's experience is a little different, and I think sometimes Christian people oversell the idea that, oh, well, God spoke to me today, and this is what God said. Oh, really? Well, h- what was that like? And how did you hear? And how did you know it was God? And, the, you know, all, all of those kinds of things. And oh, by the way, uh, all of us, I'm sure, have had experience with people who said, oh, God spoke to me, and we shake our heads and say, how in the world did God speak that? Because that uh, that's not even consistent with what God spoke in scripture, so I'm not sure that's a possibility. Uh, so so I just want to open that, but I but I I want to also then focus on the real story. Um, I'm sure that, that God was really particular in speaking to Joseph in his protection of Jesus as a baby. And so Herod, he knew, God knew what Herod was up to in, in the fact that he was going to destroy or he was going to kill Jesus. And so, uh, The angel appeared to Joseph the first time in a dream, and he said to uh, Joseph, uh, it's dangerous for you and your family, and you need to get up and move to Egypt. Now, sometimes we just kind of water over the, the, the true story. I want you to imagine you're Joseph, and you get awakened in the middle of the night with a dream, How do you know it's an angel of God? And the angel says, okay, guess what? I I want you to call U-Haul, load up up all all your stuff, and I want you to move to another country. And, oh, by the way, I want you to do it tonight. I I don't know about y'all, but... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty skeptical uh, with that angel. <laughs> I'm gonna be pushing back and said, "Hold it, whoa, whoa, okay, I, I, you know, could you put that in writing for me? I mean, I want to see God's signature on this thing before I pick up and move." So remember, I know all of you know that uh, that Joseph was a was a carpenter, so I'm sure he had he had an established carpentry business there in Bethlehem. So here's, here's where they live. I'm sure he had a business. I'm sure he had relationships and he got up in the middle of the night and he went. And, and so it, it's just fascinating to me, the level of his faith and, and the level of his confidence that he had heard from God. Because I mean, he totally relocated overnight. It's pretty powerful. Uh, the, the, uh, then the second time, uh, was, so they got up and they moved to Egypt and and they were in Egypt somewhere from one to four years. We're not completely sure. So imagine, okay, so now he's a carpenter in Egypt. I'm sure he just went and applied his trade. Fortunately, he had a trade and he could, he could earn a living. And somewhere along the way, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream again and said, okay, Herod's dead and it's okay to go back. And so he loads up the U-Haul again, and he goes home. And as soon as he gets home, he he hears that Herod's oldest son is ruling that region of the world, and he is more brutal than Herod was. And the scripture says, "And, and Joseph was afraid. Well, I get it. Yeah, I mean, God told me to go to Egypt to save my family, and I come home, and I, because God told me to come home, and I'm obedient, and now I'm home, and, uh, and now I find out there's, there, there's more trouble, and so Joseph had severe anxiety again, uh, or he had, he had enormous anxiety around that, and the angel of the Lord came to him then a third time and said, okay, move out of this region, and so the re- he, he, he went back evidently to Bethlehem, which is in Judea, which is in the southern part of the, of the country, and he moved his family up to Galilee in the northern part of the country, y'all, y'all remember the geography of the Bible, um, Samaria in between, and so they, they moved up to, to uh, Nazareth in Galilee, as a result of the third dream. So here's a question that I have, and I'm not looking for answers. I'm just wanting to be inquisitive. So, so how do we discern the voice of God even when we're anxious? How do we know that I'm responding based on what I believe is God's direction rather than reacting out of my anxiety? So you know, I'm thinking if I'm Joseph and I'm the husband and and I've got a brand new little baby and I'm trying to keep him safe and God's already sent me to Egypt and brought me back and now uh, my anxiety. I have a here's what I here's what I know. When we get anxious, what do we do? We get stupid. And when we get anxious, we we quit listening. So part of our stupidity is we're not listening. So how do we manage anxiety well enough to be able to to discern the voice and direction of God in the midst of our anxiety? And I, I just remind you of faith walking principles. Okay, so what am I going to need to do? I'm going to need to recognize my anxiety. I'm going to need to manage it by stopping and I'm going to need to get my thinking going again so that I can think about, okay, and, and what do I believe God is truly saying? And so maybe, maybe, you know, I, I, I just, as I look at this story, it just makes me wonder about all that. How did Joseph manage his anxiety well enough to hear the voice of God? Or this is how, yeah, I won't even go there because it it, it it just stirs up trouble, so. I'll leave that one alone. Uh, so now I, I want to I shift gears and go to another place. And folks, I, I realize when I say what I'm, uh, I'm going to talk about next uh, may make some folks anxious. And so I recognize I may be causing some folks some anxiety, but I want to say and I believe what, what, I, what I'm about to say is true. So the other part, I want to shift now to Herod for a minute. So the scripture tells us that, and it depends on the translation, and, and, and you've got to go really do some word studies here, but, but the scripture, I believe, tells us this, that Herod and all of his followers in Jerusalem got anxious when they heard that a king was being born, okay? Okay. And, and we all know the story and we know what Herod did uh, in response to that by, by killing all, all the babies two years older or older. But what, what I want you to see is that Herod and his followers got anxious. And here, so remember the principle about anxiety. Anxiety is contagious. Mm-hmm. And, and it spreads... Far more easily than we can imagine. I mean, right now we're in the midst of, of the Omicron variant of, of COVID, and it's spreading really rapidly. I mean, literally every day I'm, I'm talking to people that just got COVID, whether they've been, been vaccinated, boosted, or not. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine that anxiety is just as contagious as that so, so, in other words, when when people come together that are anxious, what happens? They begin to be more and more and more reactive. They begin to be more and more and more polarizing. So when we get anxious, we get polarizing. we we We, we make enemies of of other people. And then, this is the way I've come to say it, and I believe this deeply. Normal, good. People become anxious people when they don't get their way, and when they bec- and, and when they are anxious, and when and when they're in a crowd of anxiety. So I think the possibility exists if if maybe. Herod would have been able to manage his own anxiety, but all of his followers got anxious also. Oh, oh, what are we going to do? Oh my gosh, we're going to do something. Oh, Herod, if you're a real leader, you're going to do something. Oh, we got to go, you know, and, and they come up with this scheme to kill babies. I think there are a lot of people in Christian churches who, who get anxious and, and that anxiety is contagious and they get caught up in, a, in, in an anxious group. And then they're willing to do evil things because of their reactivity to anxiety. So I don't think at their core they're evil. I, I just think they get caught up in evil. And, uh, and, and here's what I want to say and here's what's going to make uh, maybe some folks anxious. And, and that is this idea. Anxiety is contagious. We become polarizing. We become controlling. And and in it, it's where conspiracy theories get birthed. Conspiracy theories get birthed when anxious people hang out with more anxious people and the anxiety just continues to spiral. this is what I believe today. You, you recognize the preciseness of that. I might change my mind tomorrow, okay? But today, this is what I believe. Today, I, I, have, I, I can't recall any place in Scripture where the Bible tells us we're supposed to go track down and solve all conspiracies in the world. I don't find any place that says that. So I started asking the question, okay, if anxiety is contagious and when we get wrapped up in anxious groups, you know, I'm asking the question, where are all these conspiracy theories coming from? Well, 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 the truth is conspiracy theories have been around for as long as I've been alive. I mean, I, I grew up on a lot of conspiracy theories. I mean, my, my roots are pretty ultra conservative. Uh, you know, with Old Testament prophecy, uh, talking, I mean, and, and, and all, all of that sort of thing. And, and I, w- I want to say it again. And I don't believe that's the call of Christ upon the life of his followers to dig up conspiracies. When we do, it just makes us more anxious and fearful. And when we're anxious and fearful, we behave in ways that aren't in alignment with Jesus. And so then I started asking the question, okay, so what do we do? I mean, I've got friends that are, that are highly engaged in conspiracy stuff. What do we do about that? And I came back to a section of scripture that has become one of my favorite places, and it's in John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, Jesus, there, there's a group of brand new believing Jewish converts and this is what Jesus says to them in uh, in in John chapter eight, beginning in verse thirty one. If if you hear my voice, and if you abide in my word, that that word abide means to welcome it. Uh, uh, to use faith walking language, it would be to align our lives with the teachings of Jesus. So. If you hear my voice, and if you align your lives with my teachings, you are truly an apprentice of me. You are truly my disciples. So, rather than pursuing conspiracy theories, Jesus is saying to us, abide in me and my teachings. Don't get all worked up about all these other teachings hey, stick with me, stick with what I say, stick with my teachings, because that indicates you're really my disciple, you're really my apprentice, and then he says, listen to this carefully, gang, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, you want to know the truth? Stick with Jesus. I know that sounds simple, and that sounds really preachery, you know, uh, just stick with Jesus, but that's what Jesus says, so I want to suggest three practical things for you, so to remain in the teachings of Jesus, I, I want to I suggest this to us, so, so in order to do that, we need to be immersed in the gospels of Jesus. I I won't get into what I believe about all of Scripture. Uh, I simply want to say the teachings of Jesus are in the Gospels, the the, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we need to regularly be immersed in the Gospels in order to abide in Jesus, because it's in the Gospels that, that Jesus tells us who he is and what his thing is about. So when we get anxious, and when we're tempted to, and, and when our anxiety is contagious, or when, when the anxiety of others is contagious upon us, the remedy is get back focused on, on Jesus, the person that we follow. So, uh, so I wanna, I'm going to meddle a little, and, I, and I'm going to say, group for me, that means if, if I spend all of my time reading books that distract me in any way from Jesus, I got to get back on Jesus. If I'm listening to TV or listening uh, or I'm on the internet, and, and whether it be Fox News or CNN, I don't care which extreme we go to. If, if I'm getting all worked up about all the, those things, I need to get back focused on Jesus again. And so what I want to invite you to do with me, so here's my commitment as I've done this study uh, this week, is I'm going to be committed in 2022 to, I'm I'm just going to start with one of the gospels and I'm going to read through the gospel, that gospel. And then I'm going to read another gospel. And I'm just going to focus my reading on the gospels in 2022. And I I want to invite you to join me. I mean, we could, we could pick whichever book. It doesn't matter. I mean, they're all good. Um, they all recognize they all come at it from a different perspective. But uh, but that's what I'm going to do so that I can manage my own anxiety in the midst of these anxious times. There's so much anxiety right now. And and it and it I, I know it sounds like an oversimplification, but but Jesus himself said, Abide in me and my word, abide in my teachings. So so I'm going to get simplistic, and I'm going to go there, and that's what I'm going to do. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Yeah. So, what's that stir up for you? What thoughts do you have, Judith? Can
2: I have a question? Um, you said there were th- you were going to give us three things.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, it, and you there, didn't. <laughs> yeah, there there are three things in my notes. It's really uh, read John 8, 31 and thirty two through to thirty two. That's that's the first thing. So okay. I kind of started with that. The second thing was stay in the Gospels, and the mm-hmm. third thing was uh, read through one of the Gospels in particular in twenty twenty two. So though, no, yeah, that I mean, basically, that's what I'm suggesting, and and. And here's what I would say, group. So this is my own journey. I'm telling you my own journey. My life has been transformed in, in multiple ways over the last 20 years. There was a distinct moment when, when this idea captured me, and, and I was leading a small congregation, and, and for an entire year, all I did was preach out of a, out of a gospel. And when I did it, here's what I invited the group to do. And I've invited you to think this way, but I want to say it again. I invited the group so all of us come to Scripture with everything we've already been taught. And it's really hard not to read Scripture through the lens of everything we've already been taught. Okay? So I invited people to to come to the Gospels with fresh eyes as possible. And and one of the ways that helped me was was to do this. Imagine that you are one of the characters in the story. Imagine that maybe you were just in the crowd and you heard this happen or saw it happen. What would you think and believe about Jesus if you were a character in the story? And and in doing that, it's, it's really helped me come to the Gospels with just a new freshness and, and a curiosity. I mean, I hope y'all hear some, even when I teach like this, there's curiosity in that. Okay, you know, did God intend for what he did with Joseph to be for everybody? Well, that's just a really good question. I don't have an answer for it, but it's a worthy question. So be curious. Okay, I said I was done before. Now I'm really done.
3: Ken, I, I was um, able to, I think every year I, I've been given this, um, this section of scripture to preach. I've, so I, I preached on Epiphany for like the third time. But mm. um, the thing that, that came to me is um, what were the mental models in the community or in the Jewish people that they thought about a Messiah and mm-hmm. how did God break them? I mean, yeah. he used astrologers who yeah. were following astronomy. Um, yeah, and, and we're looking for your king. What do you mean the king is born? And right. then um, they went to Herod and Herod, Herod tried this conspiracy thing like, well, you better go find him and, right. and then come back to me. Don't tell anybody, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, um, and when Herod got confused, he even invited the chief priests in. And the mm-hmm. chief priest said, well, yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, but that didn't awaken any curiosity in them to go right. check it out. Right. I, mean, I Okay, I think, Jan,
1: I'm going to have to interrupt you. You're about to get into next week's lesson and I, I, I can't <laughs> have that. I won't but, have anything to say. <laughs> but one of
3: the helpful things I've come to, to realize is what are the mental models that the people were holding that they expected? Yeah. And what yeah. are my mental models that I'm, that I'm, con- coming to scripture with, that I have these previous assumptions, and what have I missed?
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Beautiful, Jan. And, And in case you don't know, what are mental models? Mental models are the beliefs and assumptions we have about how the world works, that we come to anything with. We all have mental models. It's like a lens that we see through. And so what Jan is, in, uh, is, is highlighting, it, and it's beautiful, is the idea that all of the people in and around Jerusalem, no matter who they were, Jews, non-Jews, had a worldview. They had mental models about what they believed, what they believed about a Messiah, what they believed about uh, who the Messiah was going to be and where the Messiah was going to come from uh, and all of those things. And, and one of the things that helps us is if we can evaluate our own mental models and just recognize okay well th- this is kind of my belief and assumption and this is where it came from and then evaluate and recognize well is it is is it still good or do i need to maybe i need to scrap my mental model my mental model maybe my mental model was wrong and the truth is many people that get that are getting caught up in a lot of things these days are getting caught up in them because of their mental models Well, this is what I was taught when I was a kid, or this is the way it was in in my church or, or whatever. And we keep, and and we stay stuck within the framework of our mental models. Good stuff, Jan.
0: And to close the loop on how you started, Ken, it can often be our mental models that affect how we hear God or how we think we're hearing God.
1: or
3: not.
1: Yeah.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. Flesh it out a little more. What do you mean?
0: Well, if you have a preconceived idea of what God is going to say to you or who you think right. Jesus is right. or what texts you choose to land on when you read scripture, yeah, all of that is going to yeah. influence or can right. influence um, how we hear and understand and interpret and live out the voice of God in our life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Tammy, I would even add... and. And the way God speaks, well, wait, no, God only speaks in this way. And then we're not open to God speaking in a different way.
0: And, and there's a bazillion ways in scripture that he does. It can be through right. dreams. It can be through visions. And and uh, yeah, but, and that's, that's a fun, whole different topic is, is practically speaking, how does that happen? Yeah. It's cool. Very cool stuff.
1: Yeah, it is and 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 so, this idea that we get trapped within our mental models, folks, is powerful. and 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 so, what do you do? Well, I think what you do, what what here's what I hope for myself is I want to have humility. I, you know, I, I said it earlier. This is what I believe today, <laughs> okay? And so, okay? well, I might believe that tomorrow, or i I might change my mind tomorrow, or God might change my mind tomorrow. I want to hold I, so for me, it's 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 weird, but I believe what I believe deeply and passionately. I'm passionate about it, but I also want to hold it passionately with this idea. And I want to be open that God could say, and you know what, Ken, you're wrong on a couple of things. And I need to, I need to help you get that straight. And, you know, you're, yeah, you're really frothing at the mouth about that. And I'm glad you're frothing at the mouth, but it's just not right. And, and so I, I want to live with that. And it comes back to hearing the voice of God. So, so I want to be humble enough to say, okay, and God may, God may I'm going to use the, the biblical language. God may want me to repent. See, we we think repentance is all about, uh, you know, some moral sin. Repentance is about changing your mind and then reordering your life in a new way. So, in essence, repentance means to change your
4: mental model. Yeah. See, y'all y'all don't got me going
1: now. We we'll, we'll be here the rest of the night. We can talk about this. What else that
4: stir up?
2: It makes I me hear think, it.
4: yeah, go Trish.
2: It makes me think about how um, and, uh, me too, is um, that when we study scripture in the church as a larger church body, there's a mental model that if we can know all the words backwards and forwards, then we think that we, know God. Mm-hmm. And so if we've got him all figured out just from Bible study, which is right. really important, but we can never know everything about God. We can right. we can never know everything about how Tammy, you said how he speaks a a bazillion ways in the scripture. And he still speaks a bazillion ways today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just mm-hmm. to turn upon that particular person. So I, I'm, I'm with you on holding that openness that we can be so convinced that we know mm-hmm. how God is working in our own lives. And yet he still has more to teach us. Right. And I love that about him.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's bring it all the way back around to Jan again and, and her com- comment about, uh, about what was their mental models because they're so they were stuck in their mental models and guess what and they missed the messiah because they were not but oh no no god god can't do it that way that's not the way it's going to be done their mental models god can't do that well well surprise what if god does you know, am I willing to be humble enough to say, okay, you know what? God shattered all of the barriers that I had around how 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 God was, uh, you know, going to show up.
2: I mean, it just a thought occurred to me when I was talk, when I was saying we cannot know everything about God, but we can know His character.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We can know His character, so when He does something new we're in, we're able to tell is it is it really him is right. it reflective of jesus right and i don't know that's one of my right. you know, sinking into the fruits of the spirit in the uh, first corinthians 13 love you know this yeah. is this is jesus and this is the holy spirit so does whatever i'm looking at i mean i use those in discernment do those mm-hmm. have a character and if not if it's not kind right. Um, then
1: it may not be. Right, (laughs) right. So it stirs up so much for me, Trish. Thank you. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, It stirs up so much. So if we want to know what God's like, we look at Jesus Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because Jesus is what God's like in human form, which comes back to John 8 again. So abide in me. So go find out what I'm like. Uh, and 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 I want to say and and so often we get trapped in a mental model of belief in a God that isn't the God modeled in the life of Jesus. And then we think, oh well, God's this or God's that. So then it's okay to be mean. It's okay to be wh- it's violence is okay because God was violent. Uh, I don't believe that. Uh, so so again i I look at jesus and for me jesus tells me what the character of god is like we done gone got deep today dawn come on with it
4: oh i just had a just a just a comment about your um encouragement to think about ourselves in the story and I think I tend to, this might be my mental model then, of the people of that time. I tend to think that they are less sophisticated, less knowledgeable. Um, You know, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have TV, they had their little communities, Mm -hmm. and somehow less, um, uh, that they would be more receptive, I guess, to what someone told them. So they'd be more vulnerable, more, and maybe that's, um, maybe, you know, some truth to that and maybe not. Um, and I just, I think it, uh, it makes it easy to say, well, that's why maybe we wouldn't, we wouldn't buy it hook, line, and sinker like they did,
1: <laughs> you know,
4: as mm-hmm. so many more perspectives and so much more um, worldly knowledge and information. And of course, we're the armchair quarterback too, because we've, we've mm-hmm. got the distance. So sure. Thinking about
1: yeah no yeah you're right we're We're so much more sophisticated. we would have split off in about twenty five different groups and we'd have <laughs> little huddles over here, all with our own interpretation of what was going on, right <laughs> I'm with you so so what would yeah I, you know i w- i want to put my for me i i, I want to put myself in the story of Joseph. what would I believe if I'm awakened in the middle of the night in a dream and I see an angel? I'm curious as what he looked like, or her. Uh, what they, what? How did he know it was an angel of the Lord? You know, I, I'm just curious about all sorts of things like that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you're you're right, Don. I, I think sometimes, without even knowing it, we belittle the people of Scripture and say, "Oh, well, we're we're smarter and better than they are," uh, so we we would do it better, and, and yet. There are going to be people 100 years from now that look back on 2022 and say, oh, my gosh, what were those idiots thinking? Look at what those stupid people did in the midst of all that COVID. I mean, come on. Yeah, because we, yeah.
3: That's when you say information is not transformation.
1: There you go, Jan. Man, remind me to send you a check for that one. Really good.
4: Jan lives the stuff.
0: Yeah, quite the opposite. I think, um, actually, I think we would be making a, a, a tragic mistake to assume that they are less than or any way different from us. In the, 2000 years in the scale of human development is nothing, that's a blink. And second, I'm not so sure that the internet hasn't dumbed us all down mm-hmm. in ways we can't imagine, that, that our, our ability to remember things, oral tradition is gone, right? We just, we, we, we're, we're on a, such a fast pace that um, we're taking in so much that it's affected us in an opposite direction. But anybody, my thoughts there.
2: I studied the Enneagram with uh, Suzanne Stabile here in the Dallas area. And she says, information is not knowledge and knowledge is not wisdom.
1: Yeah. And
2: that's been, that does a lot for me.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Mary Beth. Thank you for that. Yeah.
0: We may need to steal that one, Ken, and upgrade our, uh,
2: <laughs> our expressions.
1: Yeah. But- I'm expecting for, I'm expecting you to write it down.
2: Thanks for telling me. Well, we need to, we will, we will give credit where it is due. It, do you know if it originates from her, Mary Beth, or if she's quoting it? Well, that's what Google's for. That's <laughs> a good question. I'm
4: not sure. I'm not so,
1: sure. So, so, so I'm a, I'm a professor and we, and we have to be very careful about citing things. And, and here's the rule in the Christian community. You cite, the, <laughs> you cite the source for two times. And then after that, it's yours.
2: Oh my word you do not believe
1: that <laughs> trust me trust me that that goes on a whole lot more than you think it does
5: no no I, I believe it I just know you don't <laughs> believe that that's true information is um, Laura to go along with like what Don and um, what Tammy were saying I think it's interesting one thing that I think about like kind of often is how the world has changed so much since biblical times but humans have not like I led this group. And when we first started, we spent like two years and we went through the entire Bible, like Genesis to Revelation in a version called the story, which is like puts it in a narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We had this running joke, how it was just like the same thing over and over again for a lot of the old Testament. It's like, Oh no, we screwed up. God, we're sorry. We're going to do better this time. And then, Oh no, sorry, God, we blew it again. We're going to do better this time. It was just like over and over. And then how, like, that's still what we've been doing for the past several thousand years and probably what we'll continue doing. And like, how you know we have the internet we have technology we have like the world is so different but the condition of the human heart is like seems very similar I imagine to what it was in every book of the bible like we haven't really grown that much I don't think as people we're still mm-hmm. just as broken and just as messed up and everything around us is is different but like we're kind of not I think and I find that like kind mm-hmm. of encouraging and discouraging at the same time if that makes any sense yeah
1: yeah it does, Laura. Thank you for that. And if I, if I could come back around and kind of kind of close this, because I want y'all to have time to go listen to N.D. Wright. Um, let, let, let's let come back around to the idea of anxiety, okay? And how, so, so in human development in 2,000 years of history, the one thing that's constant is anxiety. And the one thing that's true is uh, when when we that anxiety is contagious and when we're in an anxious group we 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 don't think well because the anxiety is preventing us from thinking well so for me one of the big lessons that that we teach in faith walking is this idea that and and we're going to behave poorly because we're reacting out of our anxiety rather than responding based on our best thinking because we're managing our anxiety and and we think clearly and and so it it doesn't matter whether it was biblical times or today if we let anxiety go we are going to be doing things that we later regret so anything else before we go um oh.
5: I, you referenced nt Wright. was that in the chat box if so i think i missed it can we post it again or was it an email
1: yeah it was in the chat box earlier laura there yeah he's going to be live uh at calvin seminary and and so yeah there there it is
5: oh okay thank you
1: yep good you're welcome Group, I, I want to thank y'all. Y'all give me a great opportunity to express some things, say some things, talk about some things. Uh, thank you for your graciousness and generosity and tolerating uh, me doing all that. For y'all, I, I know I, I always forget this, but, but I hear regularly these days, people that, listening, uh, that listen to this on, a, on their podcast and so for you that are listening on the podcast we're we're glad you listen thanks for joining the conversation and uh and we're in the conversation trying to grow in our own emotional maturity so that we can align more fully and completely with the with the way and teachings of Jesus so peace to you all i will see you next week